Okay, well, I know we're going to um, move through here uh, fairly quickly. I know that everybody's tired. It's like, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's, and we've kind of um, backed up the truck and dumped a lot of information and a lot of different things on there. And I will tell you, I apologize. Um, our little handout there has one of my biggest pet peeves is that the title is at the bottom of the page and you have to flip over to it. It's like, no, you should always have the title at the top of a page. Don't do that. Um, but the question, the fourth question that we were asked to answer is how do you instill a Christian worldview in a world that is not Christ-centered? And to me, this is an undergirding principle about and conversation for everything that we've talked about today. We live in a world that is decreasingly revolved around Judeo-Christian standards, ethics, morals, and all of that. You know, I think that um, my dad, he's with the Lord now, uh, grew up in the 50s, right here in Philly. And, you know, he used to always say to us, you know, the, the, things, the, the, the worst things that ever happened in school when I was a kid. It wasn't about bringing guns to school. It wasn't about all this other kind of stuff. It was running in the hallway and chewing gum. That, that was like, that was like the, the, the huge, the biggest things that happened. Um, and I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, we don't live in that world anymore. Um, we were asked in one of our sessions earlier today, is this, is this the hardest season of all of history to, to ever raise a kid? And you, you, you want to say that it is, right? I mean, I don't know. I think it was probably pretty hard to raise a child in first century Rome where they're you know, burning Christians at this, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just... There's never been, except for the 1950s, I don't think that there's ever been an easy time to raise a child in the world, right? I mean, to me, it's kind of like life's hard, life's hard, life's hard. 1950s, it's post-war. Everybody, you know, everybody worked hard and good values. And, you know, the little Polish ladies down the street, they'd come out and scrub their, you know, sidewalks and this and that. And, you know, that's what you, you, we used to do in Philadelphia, you know. And, um, but it is a hard, hard world in which to raise children, And so number one is, in order to do this, you must be a student of the Bible and the culture. So I'm going to say something that I think you've probably heard before, and I'm going to disagree with it, right? You've probably heard some pastor along the way who said, if you know... The authentic. It's like, like people who study, study counterfeits. They're looking for counterfeit bills and this and that. If you know the real thing so well, you will see the counterfeit right away. Okay, We've probably all heard some pastor preach on that at some point in time. I could not disagree with that more strongly. I could not disagree with that more strongly. And here's why I say that. If you only study the Bible which you should study the Bible. But if you only ever study the Bible and you never come to clarity about the strategies of the enemy to produce a counterfeit, you will not see the Bible as clearly as you could see the Bible if you saw it in a context. Okay, we were all, ra- we're all raised in a context. You were raised in a culture. And you are, you are inattentive to the elements of culture because they are who you are. Our children, they don't understand the way a child is raised in, let's say, the Dominican Republic. We do, Domin- we do mission trips to the Dominican Republic every year in our church. 
our children don't understand how spoiled they are until they end up in a context where they see something that's different from what they've ever experienced. Okay? So, let me give you a couple of examples. We don't prevent our children from seeing movies. You know, people like... Is, let's, so, is the Star Wars series of films, are they biblical? No. Of course they're not biblical. There is a worldview that George Lucas is promoting when he's developed these films, right? So, so, that, so that the force, the good side and the bad side, what is that? That is a dualism. They're basically equal and opposite forces within the global force, okay, known as, and it's, it's, a, it's a worldview called dualism, right? Is that biblical? No, of course not. So, in there, there's, you, the force is strong in, with this one, right? Okay. So what do we have? We have this impersonal force that is involved in the whole equation, right? Do we believe that there is a supernatural, impersonal force at play in the world? No, we don't believe that at all. We believe that there are very personal forces. We have the Holy Spirit that is a very personal force. We have... Satan, who is a very personal force. Are they a part of two opposite, opposing things, kind of in a global whole? No, they're not. They are opposites. Does one win at the end of the day? Yeah, are they equal? No, they're not. One is going to win. They're stronger. This is God, right? So rather than saying, we don't watch the Star Wars films, we say, let's watch the Star Wars films and then process our worldview over against a different worldview. I'm sitting talking to a young man one day, and he was, I was having coffee with him, and we were talking about um, what he, I just asked him what he believes. And he believes, you know, well, I, I, and he was kind of giving me this yin and the yang, and the kind of the two forces of the good and the evil, and this and that. And I said, oh, I said, you believe in Star Wars. <laughs> he was so mad. I said, no, you just articulated Star Wars. As your worldview. He had no idea that he had embraced a worldview that came, that he grew up with Star Wars. Last summer, I did a series on spiritual warfare, uh, the armor of God out of Ephesians. And I walked our congregation very quickly through the 19th century, the rise of the, the modernism into postmodernism and the, the, the growth of conservative Christianity and the parallel growth of Pentecostal Christianity in America and why it is through modernism and through the growth of evangelical Christianity said in the context of Pentecostal Christianity why the average Christian today in the conservative evangelical church just like Brandywine Valley Baptist Church has a bias against the supernatural. You believe that God can do anything. You just believe that he almost never does. Because you were raised in a modernism view that is an intellectualized version of Christianity set in the context of the Pentecostal movement in America that for the conservative Christian says, ah, we're not that. 
So we have a general bias against the supernatural. You can study your Bible all day long. But until you understand the culture in which you were raised and the messages that are being sent from within the church that may or may not be biblical as well as in the culture that may or may not be biblical, when you do that, when you study both, from my perspective, the Bible becomes 3D. It's like rather than seeing it on a page, you see it for what God intended it to be when it is set contextually in all these different dynamics. You know, and as parents, really part of us studying the culture is understanding the culture in which our children are growing up. No question. Okay? And what they're being exposed to in the public school, in the neighborhood, on the playground, even at church, um, you know, where unbelievers are coming and, and pursuing God and trying to figure it all out. Um, and so, as I commented earlier, for me, having a teen and a tween, um, just because of the dynamics of our family, I've kind of become the lead person who needs to kind of understand and assess kind of what the technology aspects are that are good. You know, is Snapchat okay? Is Instagram okay? What about Kick and, you know, and the list goes on and on. And frankly, I'm overwhelmed. And you, I mean, you know every day, right, new apps are coming out. And it's almost impossible. So one of the sources I think we put here in your outline, and this is a must. If you are a parent of an elementary or older age child, um, is to subscribe to Jonathan McKee's blog. Um, he is a father. He is a student of youth culture. And he is out there, and he's on it. He's doing the research, and he does it for you. And he sends out these amazing, awesome blogs. Like his blog that just this past week was, should I allow my child to have Snapchat? I'm like, yeah, I want to read this. I want, I want, to, I want to know, you know, what, what do the experts on Christianity and youth culture together have to say about that? So I cannot recommend that to you enough because I don't know about you, but I can't do it all. I can't keep up with it. I'm overwhelmed, and I need some guidance. I need some guardrails to help me kind of get along that road. So this, the point number two, then, is this idea of worldview, is teach them the pursuit of truth. And I loved what you said just a moment ago about truth, because let me give you a different picture of culture. For most of us in this room, our parents and our grandparents, their faith, whatever it happened to be, was something that they saw as external to them that then they embraced. I am a Catholic, I am a Lutheran, I am whatever I happen to be, there's something out here that is a system of thought, of belief, that I now embrace. The most critical thing that you and I need to understand today about culture is that that is a thing of the past. It is a thing of the past. Today, how many people have heard someone along their journey, say, oh, I'm very spiritual, I just don't like organized religion. You've heard, you've heard, okay, okay, let me translate that for you. Let me translate that for you. What they are saying is, my belief system is no longer a set of truth claims that is external to me that I embrace. It is something that I now create as I move through life that is my own uniquely And it is a mixture of beliefs that I choose from a variety of belief systems. And most of the people that you know in our world, they they embrace a series of beliefs 
some of them that are actually contradictory to one another. And in today's world, everybody gets to be right. What's true for you? We have moved from, I can sit across the table from you, we can have coffee, you believe in reincarnation, I don't. We can agree that one of us is wrong, I believe it's you, you believe it's me. And we can have a conversation based foundationally on an understanding that something is true. We just disagree on what it is. This is no longer our reality in culture. And training your children through this process is you have to train them to believe. Foundationally, before you can teach them what is true, you have to help them understand the fact that something is true. Something is true. And our goal is to understand what it is and to embrace that's what that's true, right? And so they, they are growing up in a world where it is fully acceptable to believe whatever you want to believe. And that can be true for you. It's nuts, right? I mean, it's in a world where everything, there's truth in every other way, if you jump off a building, you will always go down. Two and two always equals four. And we get in everywhere in life, there are universal truths, except for spiritual belief today. And so in order to walk your children through culture, you have to focus on the primary reality that there is a truth. We may disagree on what it is, but it does exist, and that is our goal. And the third point, and the last, um, is it's very important as parents that we never abdicate the responsibility that we have to be our child's filter. You know, these years that are oh so brief and go oh so fast when your children are home with you, that's your job. And it's okay to take charge, set boundaries, have rules, have dialogue, talk about truth. Don't abdicate your responsibility to be your child's filter. Whether it's the movie you're watching, we gave you the Star Wars illustration, or just this past week, a commercial that came on the television. And Natalie, it was, it was funny. I started watching the commercial and I was cracking up because she's like, Mom, watch this, Mom, watch this. And then I realized what it was they were advertising. And I, you know, I had to help her understand, okay, you need to understand what's happening here, right? Okay, let's pause. It's DVR, right? Just live TV, pause. Okay, let's have a conversation. And be willing to do that because you are your child's filter, And whether you know it or not, and of course as you get older, they have more and more inputs that are coming in. So take advantage of those younger years and really work to to narrow, to siphon, to put those guardrails to help your children really control what their input is. Whether it's the TV shows that they watch, the apps that they have on their phone, the houses that they go to to play, um, the movies they watch, the cartoons, even the sitcoms. We had a a situation (laughs) recently, um, you know, where we let our our daughter watched some of the Disney channel and certain shows and she was watching the show and we will be walking past and we'll get caught up because it's just funny. I mean, the one actress is hilarious. She makes us laugh all the time, but we happen to actually sit through this entire episode and we look kind of looked at each other and then you know, she went about her business and then we dialogued and realized, do you understand like the whole purpose of that show was that they were making the men look like complete idiots who knew nothing but the mom and the oldest daughter, yeah, they got it all together. And, it's, you know, again, it's very subtle, right? The messages that are coming at them are very subtle sometimes. I mean, the obvious ones are obvious, but the not-so-obvious, sometimes they just slip right by you. 
So really pray about, concentrate, dialogue with your, with your spouse and with your kids about some of these realities and the messages that, that we're just being bombarded with on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, and I take it as, you know, I think back to the cultural conversation. It is very purposeful by our enemy to undermine roles in marriage, the foundational truth of marriage as the foundation of culture, and that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow in in my sermon. And um, until, unless you are able to, and willing to notice, what is the cultural message here? You, you have to ask yourself the question, what is being taught in this environment, on this show, in this movie, what, whatever it happens to be? Say, does, that, does that reflect a biblical value? Um, again, they have to go together. Study God's word, absolutely. Know what the truth is. But don't assume that just because you are putting forth the truth of scripture in your home, that your children are necessarily discerning that when they hear this message in this environment, that they're making the connection, because they're not. Because most adults aren't. And it's critical for us to, to be critical thinkers in the midst of all that. So those are the, those are the, the kind of our, our foundational thoughts on um, culture. I don't know how you want us to, to wrap up. We, it's 20 after 2. Are you coming up at this point? I can, unless you have to. No, we don't. We don't. We're good.